Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm your host, Erica Trexler. Erica is actually not with us this week. She is visiting family in Louisiana. We'll get back with her next week. Today's guest, though, I have Dan Velez, Director of IT Consulting Services for Forcepoint on the line. And what we wanted to do, based on some feedback we received, was talk a little bit about insider threat, how you set up a practice, why you set up a practice, what we're seeing, and a lot of other information that Dan will be able to provide. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Dan, you're the, you're the director of IT of, of Insider Threat Consulting Services. I understand that's a global role, but can you tell our listeners exactly what that means? What What do you do? Yeah. Okay. A great question. You know, this uh, the service area was born out of. Uh, our experiences with our customers, right? We've been we've been involved in insider threat programs since uh, 2002, 2003. I actually began uh, my relationship with this company as a customer, and at that time, we were building in our agency a cyber component to our traditional insider threat program, which meant um, building a use case, you know, building our use cases, um, uh, developing a business case, and a uh, overall strategy, um, governance and oversight, processes and procedures, tools and technologies, training and awareness, and kind of bringing these things together and creating a program. And um, I've really made a career at um, Forcepoint over uh, repeating that process time and again. So when we're introducing uh, our technologies to our customers, sometimes they're in the exact same place that I was at. And so I um, help our customers um, initiate their program, um, plan their program, and implement their programs. So how long have you been doing this? Um, well, I, I remember the day pretty clearly in like 2003 when um, you know, the team that is now Forcepoint you know, came knocking on our door and said, hey, we want you to check out this technology. Um, and we're looking for a partner to help us build an enterprise solution. And so this was uh, 2003. So, so 15, 16 years, if the math is correct there. Sure. What's changed over, the, over time? Wow. What's changed? Um, what's changed is what was happening behind a closed door. Uh, so I worked in you know, a cyber counterintelligence shop. What's, and that happened behind a closed door. And we didn't tell anybody what we were doing. Right. Um, and we, okay. right. And, and, and we didn't need a lot of buy-in around the organization to implement technical tools, but to develop a really a comprehensive program, we really needed to get the rest of the enterprise um, involved, right. If we're going to have the HR issues covered, training and awareness, and, you know, all these technical and non-technical controls um, working together, we needed to get out into the enterprise. Well, 10, you know, 15 years later, that's what's changed is now now it's the CISO bringing us in, right? It's not just the, the counterintelligence or the G2 or a security element, right? It's the CIO or the CISO, depending on the organization. So this problem set has moved from behind the curtain right up front and center as a, a core business function uh, for the enterprise to perform. 
in, in your global role, you're talking to governments, you're talking to banks, you're talking to smaller organizations trying to protect their IP, really everybody, correct? Sure, a- absolutely. From uh, uh, There's a three-person security shop, you know, managing billions of dollars in a small hedge fund in New York to international coalition, military organizations, banks, pharma, uh, healthcare, entertainment. Yes, small, medium, large. That's right. And, and, and you know what's really funny, Eric, is that at the end of the day, the problems, they're identical. You know, I'm often quizzed on, you know, what's special about healthcare? What's, what, tell me about the unique scenarios for pharma as compared to entertainment. And, at, you know, at the end of the day, the, these are, they're very similar because they're all a people problem. They're all addressing human behavior and they require a, a very consistent approach. The individual policies and, and, and the specific uh, indicators of threat for those different areas, they might be a little bit different, uh, but the approach is the same. Yeah, I was, I was doing some research for the podcast, and obviously I'm in the business also. There's a 2018 Ponemon uh, survey that was done around the cost of insider threats, and it talks about you know the, the, the cost by time to contain an incident. Uh, most of them are greater than 90 days, 61 to 90, and then 90 days, certainly. And the cost is 87 six million dollars on average when you're talking to a bank versus an intelligence agency versus a you know a a pharmaceutical company how do they look at the cost do they look at the cost (laughs) it's interesting i remember several years ago uh going into a bank and and talking about um this program from a financial perspective and uh, kind of, we were, we were kind of laughed at because the numbers that the bank were writing off on an annual basis due to you know fraud and other losses um, were are astronomical. So from a financial perspective, they weren't concerned. That wasn't their primary objective. That wasn't their because they build it into the risk That's equation. Right. They. They increase the the cost of doing business with them, you know. Absolutely, and, and they can handle that. The cost can a, can a pharmaceutical, can a non bank commercial customer easily identify their losses today, their costs, and and, yeah. and do they think of it that way? Actually, you know, often no. Uh, you know, it's interesting. What you're really kind of what you're digging at is the return on investment question, and also the cost of not not having the insider. Uh, risk management program and in the area of risk, quantifying risk, very complex, you know, very complex issue. I find that uh, most organizations have a difficulty measuring the effectiveness of their program. We're working right now, a couple of us on the Forcepoint Insider Threat Consulting Services team are working on in the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, INSA, um, here in Washington, D.C., on an Insider Threat Subcommittee. Yeah. And we're actually working that problem right now is how do you measure the effectiveness of an insider uh, risk management program? What do you count and measure? Um, if we're just counting, you know, most organizations can can look at a document and say, uh, and, and roughly estimate the value of the intellectual property of that document if it were to get out, right? Here are the contracts maybe we wouldn't uh, be able to win, or here's the research and development dollars that may be down the drain, those kinds of things. That That's pretty easy. What's hard are, you know, how do you quantify sabotage? Right. I mean, you know, what was what was the potential loss? That's been a a real challenging area here. It's almost like insurance. You don't need it until you need it. 
That's but right. when there's an incident, when there's a problem, assuming you find out about it. Sure. 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 You you will hope you had a program that that was there to detect fraud. That's right. IP now, theft. Now go back to your question about the bank. So what were they worried about? Well, now now we have these compliance regulations around data protection, data privacy. That's what they're concerned about. They're worried about the fines. They're worried about reputation, right? The the fines. Uh, they're you know astronomical fines coming out now out of the the, the EU and uh, other regulations around protecting uh, data. And of course, uh, everyone wants to know that their their brand is well respected, well regarded, and that uh, you know future customers will feel comfortable um, doing business you know, with that organization. That was their focus. It's reputation. So in this case, the regulatory compliance component is actually driving behavior by delivering cost models to them that are that are much more tangible, much more understandable to the board. Sure, absolutely. That that's that's exactly it. Hey, okay. board, if we do if we do not implement this insider risk management program, you know, our potential fines are X for every event. Um, so what are we doing, right? So, you know, now there's the, that's the velvet hammer. Well, let's face it, our, our core government customers really stepped out on this insider risk management uh, problem when there was an executive order, right? When, when there was a compliance item, you know, there were always those pockets, primarily those security counterintelligence shops that, that knew they had that, you know, that had this mission formally and were trying to uh, do their best within their organizations to create some type of a solution to the problem. But once there was a compliance requirement, it really helped solidify support you know, down in the little shop of uh, six or eight or 10 people, you know, traditionally in the basement of this building here, uh, getting support all the way up to the top floor. So compliance, you know, is not a bad thing uh, for, you know, for this mission area. Okay. Interesting, interesting. And, and then when we look at the, the the reasons for an insider threat program, I mean, we, we typically talk about fraud. We typically talk about loss of IP, you know, industrial espionage on the military side, you know, nation secrets. Sure. But there are other components that are that are readily addressed by a pro, by programs like this. Yeah. Such as workplace violence, social engineering. I mean, what, what else? Accidental disclosures? Yeah. Well, we have one program in particular, a uh, defense organization who has seen some significant return on their investment in detection of threats of suicide, intent to harm themselves or others. You know, that's been the um, that has been the slide that you would think or, or began as, you know, the last slide in the presentation is, uh, you know, within the organization and, and their description of how are we doing. That slide has moved to the top of the presentation deck. How are we safeguarding our people? How are we taking care of our most critical asset, our people, right? Because that's what we're talking about, our, you know, the risk to our assets, our people, our information, technology, facilities, so on. Putting people first, putting people first, it's the right answer because not only does it help explain to the workforce and get your workforce interested and motivated to support your program, soothes the feathers and everyone relaxes a little bit um, and, and steers away from uh, the big brother kind of connotation that insider threat programs, as they were originally mandated by the executive order, kind of conjured up, right? Yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing customers prevent loss of life by conducting user activity monitoring. 
And that's we're, we're getting a ton of interest in that area in the government. They really do care. Yeah. How about their people and how they are, you know, helping them to prevent soldier, sailor, airman, suicide, Marine suicide, um, harm to self, harm to others within the organization. They're spending a lot of time and focus there because it's, it is so important. What I'm hearing you say is corporations across the globe are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, um, even when, when you consider something as trivial as what are we going to call our program, right? Um, let's, so let's look at Forcepoint, right? We, we use our own solutions and technologies and we have our own risk management program. And, you know, it's a cyber defense uh, workforce program is the way we describe it. The point is that this is not just a cybersecurity program that's meant to catch our users uh, moving intellectual property uh, to unauthorized channels. I mean, certainly that's a use case, but at the higher order, at the, you know, at a higher level, we're really looking to safeguard our critical assets. And um, when, when described in those terms, when we talk about our workforce and protecting our workforce, I find that the communication to the workforce is better received so how we're calling, we're not calling it insider threat. I call it insider risk management programs. We're not just going after taking someone's badge off of uh, their shirt and, you know, handing them over to law enforcement and walking them off the door, but we're looking to safeguard our employees' uh, health and well-being, you know, is one of those key objectives. So putting people first is the right answer uh, for a lot of reasons. Now, and, and when you look at the data, I mean, unintentional negligence, mistakes, accidental disclosures, they're always at the top of the list. It's not the malicious users, which is what everybody focuses on. Um, and, and I would say even when we look at harm to self, harm to others, you know, people don't want to hurt others. They don't want to hurt themselves in many cases. They're looking for help. They're, they're, they're crying out for help. And, and it's almost a corporation's responsibility, in my opinion, to be there for their employees on both sides of that fence. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, you know, an employee employee engagement, employee wellness programs are one of the non-technical controls that help you manage the insider risk. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but in studying the models that the psychologists use to describe what makes an insider an insider, this turn or disgruntlement or this feeling of I'm not getting what I need from this key relationship with my employer is critical. It's, 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 it's one of the pieces that turns someone. So an organization can be proactive, identify those potential indicators early and intervene in this cycle, then, uh, you know, everyone wins, right? The employee wins, company wins, they didn't suffer the loss to, you know, to a particular asset. And we have a greater strength, uh, a bond uh, between employer and employee. What's wrong with that? Everybody wins, but the adversary, which is a good equation in my mind. Exactly. That's right. Awesome. Well, we have a lot to talk about. I'd love to bring you back next week and talk about you know what you've seen from setting up an insider threat program, where you start, the considerations, what works, what doesn't, mistakes you made, if you'd be willing to come back. Yeah, sure. Let me know. I'll be here. Until next week, to our listeners, please subscribe. Please let us know your thoughts and your feedback, your comments. Get them to us. It drives what we talk about on this podcast. And we appreciate all of you. 
We will talk to you. Thanks for listening to The Point. And Dan, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 